Welcome to the 12th House Podcast. I'm Michelle, your co-host and the head witch in charge here at Holisticism. Delighted to have you. Welcome back to the squirrels who have been here before, to our new squirrels. Hi, how's it going? The 12th House Podcast is a little corner of the internet where we bring together creativity, inspiration, intuition, spiritual shit, the metaphysical, the practical, tactical stuff that comes to running a business. And we bring it to you so that you can do your sacred work, so you can self-actualize, so you can be the biggest you you could possibly be. It's really fun. You're going to like it, I think. Anyway, let's get into today's episode. Hello, welcome to the 12th House Podcast. I'm Michelle Pelazon-Lipsitz, your co-host, and your solo Olo girl on the mic today because it's just me talking about our Freddy philosophy. Put a little asterisk, framework, philosophy, mental model, meaning-making system, you know, all the fun stuff that like, honestly, I have like two dream jobs. One dream job is I just get paid to be myself and like bake stuff <laughs> and like do creative endeavors that are just like, dee, 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 you know, kind of like that make you feel like that all day long, which is kind of kind of my job in a way. And my other job, my other dream job is just to research all day long the way that people think and like relate it to the world and what I'm experiencing and the phenomenon of just like being a person, which honestly, this podcast, these episodes really scratch that itch. So bless, <laughs> I'm feeling it. Okay. I love today's content, today's framework that we're going to discover, uncover, fold into, because it's so relevant to me personally, <laughs> but I'm guessing you, if you're listening to this episode and if you are, I don't know, a member of the holisticism community, I would say you're probably a really creative, intuitive, perhaps nonlinear thinker who fucking loves learning, lifelong learner, if you will. And for those of us who are lifelong learners, who are always taking in content, all day I dream about content. We are listening to a podcast as we get ready in the morning. We're scrolling on TikTok or Instagram, taking in content. We're maybe watching a YouTube video here or there, maybe on our lunch break. We're reading a nonfiction book as we go to bed. Do you ever like <laughs> shake yourself and be like, what did I just take in? Or you've ever not realized or not remembered the context of like, an entire book that you know you read. For example, Deep Work, where you're like, okay, I know that I read that like 300-page book, but I could not tell you what's inside of it. I could not tell you three concepts that I learned from that book, other than like Deep Work is good. That is scary to me. That is scary because I hate wasting time. And I feel like if I can't recall the information that I'm taking in as a lifelong learner, What's the freaking point, dude? I'm just like, it's in one ear, out the other. It's pouring water into a bucket with a hole in it. No, honestly, it makes me like nihilistic. I don't like it. And I'm guessing like you probably can relate to this. It's so frustrating when we sit through like an amazing tutorial or um, get like our chart read. And it totally makes sense when the expert sitting in front of you, who is an astrologer or someone who's helping you fix your car or who's teaching you how to sew, explains to you step-by-step how to do this thing or how this thing works. And you're like, yes, get it, serve, amazing. And then you go to do it on your own or you go to recall that information later and you're like, it's gone. (laughs) Just poof, it's out in when you're out the other. So, so, so frustrating, so annoying. And I have a lot of theories as to why we are trained to do this. One, of course, is that for most of us growing up in uh, modern day education, we're basically just taught to like memorize rote information regurgitated onto a test or in an essay to get a passing grade and then never review it again, never remember it again. So we're not really learning 
learning. We're learning how to memorize something and then sort of like trash it and make more space for more things to come in. And that means that we're just like not really metabolizing what we're learning and applying it to our lives. And to me, that's a lesson in futility. And beyond like, you know, this training that we have to sort of pass information through our systems very quickly without really digesting it, especially for nonlinear thinkers, if you're someone who's neurodivergent, if you have ADHD, our working memory like might be just objectively and scientifically bad. For example, if you have ADHD, you might have difficulty holding a series of numbers like a phone number or a license plate number or an order number in your head or even instructions in your mind and thinking about how that inf- or mentally manipulating that information. For example, trying to do like addition or long division in your head. I don't do public math. It might be really, really challenging for you, even though you totally know how to do it. It's not like you don't know basic arithmetic. It's just how our brains work. Working memories is part of executive functioning. So it can really impact daily activities that you're taking on, your working memory or your lack thereof. Something like following multi-step instructions or remembering, recalling those multi-step instructions or keeping track of your tasks. Did you actually send that email or did you just open up an email and think that you had to do it that then get distracted by something else? Or again, taking multiple pieces of information at once and smashing it together. For example, sequencing, trying to figure out the sequence of events. All of this you know, these problems, they stem from working memory or they can stem from having shoddy working memory. And not everyone has ADHD has poor working memory, but I would say a lot of us do. And if we can improve our working memory, first and foremost, (laughs) second goal is that. But second, if we can improve our working memory, that will help our anxiety when it comes to recall for our day-to-day tasks. It'll, you know, depreciate. And I think it will just, if we have a growth mindset, it'll make us better, right? If we can like actually learn and implement what we've learned in our lives, then we're going to see exponential results. We're going to see exponential improvement. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that's why you're taking in the content in the first place, right? So how do we improve our working memory? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Self-reference effect is a concept. It's a theory. It's a framework that helps you remember pieces of information by relating them back to yourself. Basically, it's this phenomenon where information that relates to us is just easier for us to remember. And it sounds kind of obvious, but we don't exactly know why. I mean, other than we're (laughs) self-obsessed, myself included, but we can recall information and understand, really understand material when we relate it to our own personal experiences. My example for this, for my whole life, is astrology. I think I know so much about astrology. Like, I have so much stored in this stone. Could I tell you if I like had a pop quiz anything about astrology? No, absolutely not. I go blank. It's nothing. There's nothing there. But I know so much about my own chart and how everything works inside of my chart because self-reference effect, because it applies to me, right? We can remember our human design and or the numbers associated with our human design because it matters to us, right? So there are a couple of theories as to why self-reference effect happens and like kind of how we can use those concepts to make our working memory better. And that's the goal here, right? Self-reference effect is to help us sort of like take the information, head nod at it, like wink at it, be like, okay, cool. Now, how does this apply to me so that I know I can remember it in the future? I'm going to be able to recall it. 
as opposed to having it just like float on by in the lazy river past your consciousness. So the first theory that explains the self-reference effect, because we don't exactly know why this happens, we can't exactly explain this phenomenon, is elaborative encoding. Basically, when we relate information to ourselves, we process it more deeply and it encodes itself into our memory. So it's kind of like, I imagine it like Velcroing itself on that, that, you know, turn of phrase or that concept or that fact, Velcroing itself on to my little brain. And by thinking about how information connects to our own experiences, we're elaborating on that information. Uh, we're comprehending that information, right? Which facilitates better memory storage in the future. So for example, astrology, it's so much easier for me to remember the traits of an Aries when I think about my friend who's an Aries, or when I think about my friend who is a Gemini sun and a Gemini moon, I'm like, right, I can relate the information, the traits, the characteristics, the qualities of a double Gemini to my friend. Same thing with human design, right? Like my husband is a manifesting generator. Wallace is a manifesting generator. And because I know about him and, you know, obviously I'm obsessed with him and how he works, it makes it so much easier for me to apply those same set of characteristics to Wallace and understand how she works. And elaborative encoding, so taking information, looking at it again, and taking a second to just ask ourselves, how does this relate to what I already know? Or how can I use this in my daily life? Truly, that's all we need to do. Because most of the time, we actually like don't walk ourselves through that next step. We just kind of passively take in information, right? Well, that's cool. Keep scrolling. If you just stop and breathe and ask yourself, what's the what? <laughs> what's the fucking point? How can I relate this to my world? Or is there a way I can relate this to my world? For example a mental model, like what I'm giving you today, that helps us sort of land that plane and make it easier to recall in the future. And that's why I love using a second brain and using an inbox. We talk about making a second brain and making inboxes inside of our class, Notion for Magical Baddies System Spells, which opens in September 9th. We teach second brain and inboxing in system spells because we take in so much information. And for most of us, again, we either bookmark it and we never review it again, or we don't bookmark it. We just like are like, oh, that's cool. And then when we want to use that information in the future, we either don't remember it, don't remember that we took it in, or we're like, oh, I have like a slight inkling of this thing. Let me go find it. Let me go like Google around and try and figure out what it is. And then that takes us off of our, you know, it distracts us to infinity and beyond. And we just never end up doing the thing. The concept of inboxing basically is you take information as it comes past you, whether it's an idea that you have or an article that you want to read or a podcast that you're going to listen to in the future. And you park it in your inbox until you're ready to ingest that thing. And that can mean that you clean out your inbox by the end of the day, or you clean out your inbox twice a week or once a week, whatever is the least overwhelming to you. And once you take in that information, you're either going to toss it. Uh, so let's say I'm reading an article. If it doesn't feel valuable to me, I'm going to delete it out of my inbox. But if it does feel valuable to me, I'll use it in my second brain. And just being able to discern, do I think this is going to be valuable in the future? How might I apply this to my life in the future or not? That is elaborative encoding. So just by doing that, even if you like, once again, you never look at it again, just kind of like putting that piece of content up for trial and asking, is this valid for me? Like, is this valuable or not? It's going to help you remember it in the future, which is really cool. Now, if you want to go a step further, organizing information, maybe obviously 
helps us with our working memory and can help with the self-reference effect. So information related to ourselves might be better organized in our memory because we have a rich and structured representation of our own self. My inner world is so elaborate and so detailed and has so much lore, right? Versus my perception of a stranger outside of me where I maybe know like one or two things about them, like the color of their hair and how to pronounce their last name. So when we are able to organize information according to us to where it fits in in our mind palace and where we can slot it into our personality or our own understanding of ourselves and how we work internally, it's easier to sort of again, digest that information. And this, to me, this organization is where we take it a step further in something like a second brain and we can tag information because that's kind of what we're doing unconsciously with information when we're relating it back to ourselves. We're tagging it with like, oh, relationships or friendships or how to cook better pasta or where to travel and take the best pictures in Italy whatever, right? When we're taking in information and maybe I park that last piece in my, my Italian, you know, <laughs> mamma mia dream of myself, the archetype that I want to embody, Strigonona, that's important to her. So I can park that information and it's easier for me to recall it in the future. So we're kind of tagging in a way the concepts that come into our brain But we can also do this in a second brain. We can literally tag information with things like all of the above, travel ideas, Italian getaway, cooking hacks, psychology. I have so many tags that I use, tags and subtags for different pieces of information, kind of inspired by Lumen's Slipbox, which is maybe we'll do an episode on it, but it's a way of categorizing information that you take in. And I have so many tags, but it really helps me, again, remember that I, first of all, have a resource or that I have a piece of content or that I have a book that I've read, what's inside of it when I, again, am comprehending and just going back for myself and reviewing what was in there. Oh yeah, that book's about like human psychology and also birth order and the relationships between sisters and of reparenting. Okay, great, cool. It takes truly five seconds to do that when I'm adding things into my second brain. And it really makes a difference. Not just, again, in my own memory, sort of planting that seed. But when I go back in the future and I'm seeking out that information, I don't have to store all of it in my head. I don't need all of the data necessarily. When I know I can find it in the future, it like helps me relax a little bit. Hey, popping in to let you know that doors are opening to our class, Notion for Magical Baddies System Spells, on September 9th. Class actually begins on September 19th. It's coming up. And, you know, we made system spells, gosh, like two years ago. We created it for people like you and me, non-linear, creative, what might one might call squiggly-brained, entrepreneurs, creators, and intuitives. And, you know... I always thought that systems and like making systems was revolting and disgusting and gave me hives because I had this connotation that a system was going to be like rigid and feel like a metaphorical straitjacket. And I'm not that type of girl. I am free flowing. I am creative. I need to be free. And what I didn't realize in my youth was that systems when they're created for you 
for the way that your brain thinks actually give you so much more freedom. They give you so much more flexibility. They make you more creative, more intuitive, more powerful. And the thing is, the systems that we've been taught, like the way we've been taught to do things on a micro level and on a macro level in the world that we live in, are not meant for us. They're not meant for intuitive, nonlinear thinkers. They're made for other people. And that's why they they suck. They don't work for us. The tactics and strategies that other people use to clear their inbox or <laughs> get their work done just are never going to work for us. And that's okay. That's why we made system spells, to teach you how to make systems that work for you, to teach you how to a new way to build systems, to keep yourself on track and to create a mind like water, a mind that's clear, that's powerful, that's intuitive, and that's flexible, that's fluid. When you have systems that support you, you'll be more creative, less overwhelmed, you're less likely to burn out, and you'll be way more intuitive because you'll have way more space to create and think and dream. And it feels really good, trust me. We made system spells inside of Notion, and Notion is my favorite tool ever to build in. The reason that we teach our class in Notion is because it's a it's a great way to like plant the theory and show you in real time and in real life how to build systems inside of basically like this very cool open playground. So if you have been wanting to get yourself organized, it's that time of the year, it's the beginning of the school year. And if you're also interested in learning more about Notion and how it can be effective for you, not just at work, but in your creative life, Notion for Magical Baddies System Spells is totally for you. You can sign up at the link below. And if you have any questions, you can always ping us at Holisticism. A theory that might explain why self-reference effect works for us is emotional significance. So personal information has an emotional significance for us, right? And emotional events or data are often remembered better than neutral ones. I have always felt this way that when I went through like my worst breakup ever and I was the most heartbroken, like beyond, I feel like every day, every moment, I can remember every minute of those six months. Like it was so saturated with experience and feelings as a triple water. It's almost like my years when, when I've been the happiest in my life, I like kind of can't remember what went down. I'm like, oh yeah, that was cool. <laughs> really need to keep a journal during those times. But when we engage emotionally in what we're taking in, when we can sort of like map it to a feeling or a past experience in our lives, it helps us not only focus on it, but remember how to do it and remember it in the future. For example, if you're setting up like a budget for yourself, thinking about the peace of mind or the experiences that you'll be able to achieve or to have, like that amazing vacation that you can take your mom on or how awesome it will be to see that you have $0 in debt in your account because you've set up this wonderful budget. Connecting to those things emotionally kind of helps us not only like not lose the thread and stay motivated, but it also helps us just continue to understand and to recall that information in the future. You know, I have ADHD. So I feel like I kind of grapple between these, like these two things, having a squiggly brain where I, I'm baby <laughs> and I want to just like never have to think. I want to be able to like read instructions and have things run on autopilot and just like 
smooth brain as often as I need to so that I really like, I don't need to use my working memory because I just can't rely on it all the time. I oscillate between that feeling, I am baby, and also wanting to sort of embracing right where I'm at and also like wanting to strengthen, of course, these qualities I have that are like, you know, potentially weaknesses or areas of opportunity, one might say. Like, I don't have the best working memory all the time. I, I, I do really benefit from writing things down. I often get distracted when I'm doing tasks, which is why I really need like a, a sequence basically to follow. It helps me so much. I'm so much more effective. But I also want to like make my memory even better. I want to continue to work on my focus and not just fall back on the systems that I've you know, created for myself that make it so much easier. I want both, right? Like I want to feel secure and stable in my systems so that I can do what I'm really good at, which is imagining and dreaming and intuiting and channeling things. And I also want to like build more wrinkles in my brain and see what I am capable of and keep kind of pushing that. And it's okay to acknowledge that I'm like, never going to be capable of driving around LA without directions, (laughs) even though I've lived here for like eight years. But Maybe there are some ways that I can start using my working memory a little bit more effectively based on self-reference effect, you know, just relating it back to myself. So that's kind of where I land when I think about this. And I think just honestly taking that extra step to ask yourself, how does this relate to what I already know? Or how can I use this in my daily life makes a really big difference. And I don't know if I'm consciously asking myself that question all the time. And I want to challenge you, dear listener, and me to, to like maybe do that a little bit more, be a little bit more like involved in what we're taking in. And understanding self-reference effect has implications for so many things, right? Not just improving our working memory or having a squiggly brain, but maybe if you're a teacher, thinking about how to make learning more relevant to your students or to the people that you're teaching or when it comes to marketing, you know, making ads more personal and more appealing to customers and consumers so they remember them in the future to coaching. Obviously, the more you can personalize your message to the person that you're working with and help show them how to implement a concept, you know, teach a, teach a person to fish, as they say, but just for you to improve your memory so that you have more space up there, you know, so it's not like a constant struggle. And so you don't feel at odds with your brain, like your brain is an antagonist for you that you can't rely on and that you can't trust. I feel that way sometimes about my brain. <laughs> like she's sneaky. She will distract me if left to her own devices. Um, I used to feel like I actually would say this, I like I had two sides of my brain, right? As a squiggly brained or creative person, I I felt this forever that I have this one side of my brain that I almost need to distract with something in order to get the other side of my brain to focus on the thing that I want to do. And it's like they're two, like they're conjoined twins that are like, one's really loud and the other is like more contemplative and a little bit more deep. And so like, I have to distract the side of my brain by doing something by like walking or like listening to music or playing a podcast or scribbling or doodling. And the <laughs> like, look over there. And then my, the other side of my brain can drop in and do the work. And so often this sort of like distracted side, bubbly, exuberant side overcomes the more contemplative side and uh, makes it difficult for me to get things done. 
I've always felt like that. And, you know, I think something like understanding the concept of the self-reference effect helps me not feel like the two sides of my brain are like always going to be ramming against each other and at odds. But like maybe my brain can work together. (laughs) And instead of them being antagonists, they can actually like be on the same team. Everyone on the same team. We'd love to see it. So that self-reference effect, I hope that you can just take a moment and ask yourself, how does this relate to what I already know? Maybe you totally get anecdotally that experience of relating information back to yourself or remembering things when they apply to you, but not exactly remembering the details of whatever the concept is when applied to someone else. Or ask yourself, how can I use this in my daily life? So maybe you want to consider how you can start using an inbox or a second brain you should take our system spells class. Or maybe you want to regularly review and connect to the content that you're taking in for organizational purposes or tagging purposes. Or maybe you want to try and connect emotions to the tasks or the things that you're learning as you're reading an article in the paper, trying to connect that to a time in your life that was particularly potent so that you can remember those details in the future or how it made you feel. I don't know. I'd love to hear from you. Let me know in, well, actually you can reply to this episode inside of Spotify and tell us what you thought. And I would also love to hear from you on IG. So just like shoot us a DM on holisticism and tell me what you thought. I love self-reference effect. And I also just love that we know nothing about brains and that elaborative encoding, organization, emotional significance, like they're all how we try to explain how self-reference effect works. And also obviously like the inherent narcissism of just being a person who's alive. You know, (laughs) we are, we are a little obsessed with ourselves and that's okay. Listen, everyone's a little narcissistic. It's okay. It's all good. I just love, you know, it's part of the, one of the things I love about these theories and frameworks is like, "Mm, that could be the answer. Could not be. Could apply. Could not. I don't know. (laughs) Gosh, don't you, don't you just love nuance? Don't you love the gray? I do. This was great. Thanks so much for listening and tuning in. I hope you continue to like these episodes because, spoiler, we're going to give you some more. And if you haven't already, we have the 12th House Plus. It is our private podcast feed, our paid podcast feed for subscribers, where we drop two new episodes each month. One is an audio course that I teach, and another is just like a silly little green room where we talk about, you know shop stuff. We talk about what we're thinking about. Maybe we even drop a little wellness hot goss. It's a little loose. If you listened to Good For You, it's kind of like Good For You. Um, That's what our green room conversations are. So just, it's like $5 a month. It's so simple. And by supporting the podcast, you support us creating it and making more content, making even better content. And we so appreciate that. We love you so much. You are the best, best, best. Thanks for being around. If you want more content like this, if you want to learn from me and engage in more holisticism stuff, join the North Node. It's our private members community that is for intuitive entrepreneurs and creators. And holy moly, it's got like everything I've ever taught inside of it. Um, So if you love running a business um, and creating things from an intuitive perspective, but also you want the sort of logistical, practical, tactical steps to doing this stuff, the North Node is for you. We open the doors only a couple times a year, but we do occasionally pull people off the wait list. So if you're interested, you can check out the link below, learn a little bit more about the North Node and sign up for the wait list. Maybe you will get pulled off. 
We'd love to have you. That's it. Thanks for tuning in. Love you so much. And I'll see you next week. Okay. Bye. The 12th House is produced by yours truly, Wallace Miller Blanchard. Our theme music is made by Nathan McKay. And our wonderful editing is done by Softer Sound Studios, who you can find more information about in our show notes.